0: Welcome to the Coffee and Catnaps Parenting Podcast brought to you by Lake Country Sleep. I'm your host, Erin. I am a boy mom, avid coffee drinker, sleep consultant, and expert in early childhood development and education. I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to this episode of the Coffee and Cat Naps Parenting Podcast. Today, I have a sleep consultant colleague joining me, Anna Clifford, from Happy Little Ones, and we are going to be talking all about safe sleep. Anna, welcome to the show. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Anna, before we get started with our conversation today, can you just tell us a little bit about your background, give us a brief bio. Sure.
1: I'm Anna Clifford. My family and I live just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and my husband and I have three girls. They are seven, five, and two years old. And a fun tip, we did not start school yet. we don't start until September 9th, so we're trying to survive. (laughs) Um, But I also, my main background is actually, in gymnastics. So I have been a competitive gymnastics coach, a gymnastics teacher, and a preschool gymnastics teacher for the last 20 years. So that is actually my main background in the last um, five to six years. I focused on six weeks old through six years old, um, but even more specific two years old and under. And that has led me more to wanting to continue to work with parents but not being at the gym all the time with everyone else's kids. Even though I loved it, I have learned so much over these past 20 years. Um, I've also learned a lot of the developmental milestones just by working with six-week-olds all the way through six years old, of course. And so I love that part and that I can also add that as discussions with the parents that I work with for sleep consulting.
0: Very cool. And what ages of families do you work with for sleep consulting?
1: I work with newborn through six years old. And if it's four months and under, then we focus on sleep shaping. And then depending on the family, four months and older is sleep training. Awesome. So
0: today we're going to start and talk a little bit more about Um, safe sleep recommendations that the American Academy of Pediatrics has put out to help reduce the risk of SIDS and sleep-related suffocation, asphyxia, and entrapment. So um, I know those are some scary terms for a lot of people. And even like prior to me becoming a sleep consultant, I was always very like, high alert and worried about my, my first son's sleep situation. Um, and this was before I even like knew kind of what you were talking about, like laying the healthy sleep foundation. So Mm -hmm. safety was my big thing coming into parenthood. Um, so this is something that's always kind of intrigued me. Um, but looking back, I didn't even know, that there were recommendations out there as far as what safe sleep should and could look like. (laughs) What was your journey into parenthood and as far as your awareness of the recommendations from the beginning?
1: Yes. Well, I would say I was lucky because my mom is a pediatrician. So that helped a lot. Um, She did not live in the same state though. So whenever I had questions, I did have to call her She couldn't like come over and check stuff out. Um, But I do remember with the blankets, especially um, I was like, well, what, when can I, when can she have a blanket? When can she use a blanket? Okay. We have to use swaddles. Okay. That's fine. But sometimes I would like sneak a blanket in them. I was like, that's not safe. Okay, fine. (laughs) So like I would take it out because of course there may be one time where it like goes over their face and it's just, scary to think about or just scary to see in general. And I know a lot of parents have had situations like that. They're just napping and we have like a swaddle, one of those muslin swaddle, swaddles, sorry. And um, sometimes they like punch themselves out and then that can even go over their head. So little things here and there. Um, I remember the biggest shock to me though was when so many baby companies like the products kept pushing the mesh liners and um, bumpers in the cribs. And I was like, well, why would they offer it if it's not safe? If it's not approved by the American Academy of Pediatrics, why would they still say like, it's okay to use? And so that did intrigue me a lot. Like, okay, well, what can you put in the crib? And then just making sure the nursery was safe too.
0: Yeah. Now that you say that, I remember <laughs> going to my son's pediatrician visits with him those first few months. And every time we went, the doctor would say, and how does he sleep? Back to sleep. And I just, you know, that was ingrained in my mind. So we all right. almost did that um, unless we were holding him, which happened a lot too. Um, but, <laughs> I remember seeing all of these different products that were marketed to tired parents because there I was in the thick of it. And I mean, we were gifted. Um, oh, what's that one that was recalled a couple years ago?
1: Um, um, the Fisher it, Price. It yes, it is Fisher Price. Um,
0: the Rocker. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right? That what's that called? that
0: called? Something like that but it's the one where the baby's at an incline and kind of like snuggled in there. Um, and we had that set up and occasionally used it for naps where we were like, when we were downstairs, you know, watching him and I didn't didn't think anything of it, you know, it had been a gift. People at the shower were like, this saved us for sleep. And I didn't think anything of it. And they were also starting to have like those lounger pillows and those, you know, make you think, oh, it's a lounger. They can sleep there, you know? Right. So what do you do when you have um, another caregiver of a child, say like a grandparent who (laughs) doesn't know what the current research and recommendations are. And they make a comment like, well, my baby's sleep on their tummies just <laughs> fine. Like Right. A- <laughs> right.
1: And that you have to be very supportive because you also don't want them to feel like you're attacking them or accusing them or judging them. And I just say it may have worked back then, but back then we didn't have all of this research and studies where it shows that's not the safest for a baby to fall asleep. And what research shows now is back in the
0: crib with nothing else in it is the safest. Yeah. And, you know, another thing that always comes up in the back of my mind too is, well, you're lucky that your baby were okay because that wasn't the case for some other babies, you know? Right. That's why they did the research and the studies. Yeah. So that makes me think of like other recommendations, you know, not having to do with sleep, but like with feeding. So um, we did a lot of baby, wed- baby led weaning with our boys and um, just some of our other caregivers were very like leery about it and like questioning why we were feeding them these kinds of foods they their babies. And I was just like, wow, that's like what the research is currently showing. And that's what we're going by right now. It's what our doctors are telling us to do. So when you know better, you do better, right? Yes. Okay. So the next recommendation is to use a firm sleep surface. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yes, definitely. So in the crib or the bassinet or even a pack and play, um, I know they have different attachments that the pack and play can come with. Um, you always wanna make sure that is, it's a flat, firm surface that the baby is sleeping on. Because if for some reason they do roll over or when they are able to roll over, um, you don't want them to end up having whatever squishy thing is around or blankets, whatever it is, you don't want them to get covered in it or have their face covered where then they can't breathe. Because when they're so little, As newborns, they're not strong enough to pick their heads up, which is why all this safety is so important where you try and set them up to have a healthy foundation and it's better to be safe than sorry. Um, By going by all of the research of what is best for babies to sleep lately and if it ever changes, then that's what we start shifting towards as well. But the research has showed that it has significantly Reduce SIDS if the babies are on their back in a crib or bassinet on a flat surface that's firm again because then if a baby rolls or even if a baby is like squished down into it like I do love my personal bed being squishy but Mm -hmm. I'm an adult but it's just not safe for babies because again they have um, the possibility that they might not be able to breathe by covering their mouth with something whereas if it's flat then you have way less of a chance of that suffocation too
0: right and that kind of plays into um, bed sharing as well Um, adult bed mattresses are usually a little softer squishier than um, per se a an infant mattress that's made for a crib so you always want to be using a mattress that is made for the specific crib or bassinet or play yard that you're using. So make sure you read like the manufacturer's notes on that as well. And don't stick in an extra mattress. Um, I know (laughs) when my, my oldest son went to stay at my mom's one night, um, she had put like this nice soft mattress in for him because the other one is so hard. And I was like, it's hard and firm for a reason, mom. So I took the other one out and it was fine. It was just a matter of having that conversation. This is what the current recommendation is for keeping him safe. So now that he's older, he does have that in, but he is three. So it's fine. He has the, the physical strength to move around when he sleeps. Whereas when you have a newborn, they do not. So
1: Uh, So, wedges also, they have the wedges where if you put it under the crib mattress, it's supposed to elevate the mattress. Um, But what also I've found is by doing that, um, as long as, I don't even think pediatricians recommend them actually. Um, But of course, if your pediatrician ever says anything else, have that conversation with them. Um, But the wedge under the mattress actually can cause the baby to slide back down to where it's more flat or at least towards the bottom of the mattress where then they're still not in a safe position. And I have seen that before. And that was like, oh my gosh, that didn't work at all. That's not good. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) So you're trying to help them with one thing, whether they have reflux or um, if they have a stuffy nose, something like that. But really it can just get worse. (laughs) And we don't want to get to that point.
0: Right. So we want the firm mattress with a tight fitted sheet. If your baby's still being swaddled, it's fine to have them in a swaddle. If they're not in a swaddle, we now recommend using sleep sacks, which is basically a a wearable bag that you zip the baby into. (laughs) They can move around the crib, but the sleep sack stays on their body. So nothing is like riding up around their head um, and covering their head or their mouth while they're sleeping. Um, So basically an empty crib with only your baby is your best bed. No stuffed animals, no little blankets, no pillows. At what point can we start putting some of that fun stuff in there?
1: I usually say around one years old or later, you can at least start to use a blanket in there. When what I also have found, I know a lot of families receive the knitted blankets. I would be very careful of those because if it starts to unravel at any point, that can also be very dangerous and it can get stuck over their head or neck. And we don't want that as well. So if you do have that, I would recommend not using it actually in the crib just because of that potential danger. Um, I know a lot of times there are gifts and from family members. So inspect it every single day, but it's more safe to not have it in the crib and um, just make sure your baby is strong enough where if a blanket does ever go over their head, they know how to take it off. Mm -hmm. A great way is to play play peekaboo with them. Um, Have them put a, blanket over their head during the day and then teach them peekaboo and then you'll be able to know also. Um, But still even one-year-olds between two-year-olds sometimes they get stuck under a blanket. If it's a big blanket then they get stuck and they don't know quite how to get out. So um, I usually recommend two years old and above for a pillow. Um, Blankets are a little different just because a lot of times we need that warmth depending on the time of year. Um, But a pillow they don't even like with their development and their body with their head and neck, they don't even need a pillow the way that they sleep. They're meant to not sleep with a pillow and adding a pillow can also just create a different posture position for them as well. Um, Where a lot of times adults, um, I guess every adult's different, but I feel like a lot of adults don't sleep on their stomachs anymore as we get older. Um, or you like put a pillow under your stomach to support your back? I don't know. Um, but I know babies, they do that little like child pose and they love to curl up and sleep on their stomachs once they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. And for that, you don't really need a pillow either. A lot of times we introduce a pillow when they lay on their sides, because then you don't want their head like this.
0: Right. Um, Right. We actually just started putting a pillow in with my oldest son, who's three, um, just in the last week or so, because he he had a very like awful cough. And whenever he was horizontal, he was coughing. So he needed to be elevated a little bit. And I was like, oh, it's totally safe at this stage in the game. So no worries there. And then my youngest, who is 18 months, he just sleeps with a little lovey blankie and that's it. So. Yeah.
1: And you can always dress them warm enough um, to not use a blanket. My do- my youngest is two, and she now uses a blanket, but she uses it more as a pillow just for the comfort because she likes it on her face. Mm-hmm. But then we just dress her warmer because she's not going to keep a blanket on her anyway. Even if we ask, do you want a blanket? She's like, no blankie, no blankie. Okay, that's easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, there are different sleep sacks you can purchase for different times of the year depending on your climate, um, different... Uh, it's called thermal overall grade, which is a TOG Mm -hmm. level. Um, So you can research that and pick the right sleep sack for your baby and then just layer them appropriately. So a good rule of thumb is, you know, if the nursery is between 68 and 72 degrees, which is another recommendation (laughs) we'll get to, um, they need like one layer of pajamas and a sleep sack and they're comfortable. If it's cooler than that, you might want to add a onesie underneath. And if it's warmer than that, you might just want to have them in a onesie and, you know, something without sleeves. So just taking all of that into consideration um, is part of keeping them safe at night when you're not right next to them monitoring everything. Um, Another thing I want to note here, too, is... Keeping the crib area free of hazards. Since we were talking about, you know, um, suffocation and strangulation, we definitely don't want cords or wires, anything within reach of those little arms that can be pulled down on top of them. Just make sure your baby's crib is in a very wide open space in the room.
1: Also, the crib mobiles, they have the potential to eventually pull that down or if somehow it falls down. So, those are actually more distracting and not safe as well, or can be a safety hazard, I would say.
0: Yes. <laughs> yep. Be leery of those near the crib. Okay.
1: The cover covers also, because, yes, like every wall of ours has an outlet on it. So, we just have to put the safety cover in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my youngest started pulling them out.
1: That's fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. I swear. I make jokes like he likes to play the game a thousand ways to die. Like that's just he tries to do that every day, and I'm just like chasing him around, keeping him alive. (laughs) Right. I I don't know. Is that a second-born thing?
1: Um. Right now, it's third child. Also, so youngest child. Yes, yes, I think so. Yes, and each one gets more daring and bold. Also, well. all caution to the wind.
0: I think because of where he's at, he's my last. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So let's chat a little bit more about car seat sleep, sleeping yeah. in swings, infant carriers. What are your thoughts on all of that?
1: Yes. This one actually took me a while to understand because I could read why and it made sense when you read it but in my brain it just it took me a while to process it and mostly when you see a newborn in a car seat they're so tiny and even the straps look like they're ginormous on them I know they have all different settings but you just don't want to get to a point where the baby is strapped and and then they go like this because they don't have the head control and then especially when they bobble down that way like a bobblehead. Mm -hmm. um it can cut off the circulation and then they cannot breathe. And again, they're not strong enough to go ahead and pick themselves back up if they start to not be able to breathe. So we don't want that to happen. Um, I also did read that you don't want a baby in a car seat for a long time because the legs, you also don't want them like falling asleep. You want them to be able to move around. You want circulation to be able to flow all through the body. Whereas if you're in a car seat for a while, you're not getting that circulation as easily.
0: Right. So to add about car seats, they are designed to keep your baby safe while traveling, not to keep your baby see- safe for sleep. So is a newborn or an, even an older baby around a nap time going to fall asleep in the car? Most likely. So as long as it's like clicked into its base or installed at the appropriate angle, it's okay and it's safe. However, um, if you arrive home or get to your destination and your little one's still sleeping and you're done with the trip, take them out and try and transfer them to a safe seat sleep area. Yes. And same with swings. <laughs> swings and strollers. <laughs> yeah, swings and strollers too. I mean, movement can help some soothe some babies and it soothes some enough right into dreamland. So if that happens, just try and do a transfer to keep them safe. Um, we'd rather be safe than sorry, right? Mm hmm. Um, As far as infant carriers go, I am a huge fan of using a carrier later in the day for a young baby just to take a little cat nap. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I'm okay with that. Um, One of my other colleagues did say the cat nap at the end of the day, she actually never had in the crib just because she wanted her babies to know that a cat nap is different than actual sleep. Catnaps can be short. Um, you may be with mom, you may be in the infant carrier, um, you might go for a walk in the stroller, stuff like that. Um, but she said her baby's never had any issue deciphering uh, when it's gonna be a long sleep or a cat nap when she did that way. So I agree with that. I haven't tried it personally. Um, but I know that at the end of the day, we were always on the go, especially picking up kids from school or daycare. So it happened. It was re- very rare that my girls were in a crib for, um, the catnap at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And from our perspective, I had a 17 month old when I had a newborn. So I needed my hands free at that time of day yes. and I couldn't spend time sitting and holding the baby for that nap. And Lord knows he would not have slept in his crib at that time of day because it was like the witching hour. So I just automatically did carrier naps. So I was able to, you know, tend to my other son work on making dinner during that time. And it was just a quick nap. So things to think about from a safety perspective with having a carrier nap would be, um, if your baby has recently fed you know make sure you burped them well enough before they get in the carrier um and then make sure that if they're young and don't have that head control yet and even if they're older and are asleep um that they're positioned in a way where they can freely breathe like their their face isn't squished against your chest right mm-hmm. um kind of the same idea of having that firm mattress we don't want them to get in a position in the carrier that they can't get out of Yes. Okay. Another protective factor and recommendation is breastfeeding. Yes. Did this you breastfeed your kids?
1: Um, we did. Well, I did.
0: <laughs> I guess my husband. <laughs> <laughs> He's useless. <laughs> exactly.
1: No, no. <laughs> um, yes, we did. We did a combination for all three girls based on how they were doing when I went back to work. Um, if we had a nanny at home or they were in the daycare, um, but yes, I did breastfeed my first two breastfed for the first year. And the second, or sorry, the third one was for the first nine months. Cause then COVID happened and everything went downhill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but we did a combination. It was mostly breastfeeding and then some formula and then also bottle feeding with, um, breast milk as well.
0: Yeah. So obviously, from a wellness perspective, (laughs) fed is best. So, however, you feed your baby, but breastfeeding is the recommendation simply because. The research shows that it offers a protective effect um, that increases with exclusivity. So, uh, mm-hmm. the more you can do it, and my, my best advice for this is take it one feed at a time. You know, don't make this huge goal for yourself because it's a lot harder than it looks and seems. I think for my first son, we made it. Um, eight months. before We made it roughly six months before we started um, offering a little bit of formula as well. I was pumping a lot because I was back to work and then my supply like tanked around eight months. So then he was just on formula, solely formula from there on out. Um, And my other son, it was like, we literally got home from the hospital and the next day the world shut down due to COVID. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. It was awful. And he had some like significant health issues that like took a toll on us too. So we, we breastfed for a few months and then it just, it wasn't working and we switched to formula. I think it was around two or three months. So we didn't make it nearly as long, but it was like, okay, we've made it this far. He's got right. some protection, like fed is best. And some at some point you just have to accept that if it's not working for you.
1: Yes, because your health also matters, especially mental health too. So if breastfeeding is not working for whatever reason, you can try and get through the next feed, but also have that open communication with your partner um even with your doctors as well and to see what's best for you too because there are other options in feeding your baby and it doesn't work for everyone and that's okay they the aap also does say any amount of breastfeeding is also helps protect rather than no breastfeeding at all so they're not and that's,
0: that's why we're going through these recommendations too, because, you know, while that's one thing that can help, if you're doing all of these other things too, like you are setting your baby up for success when it comes to safe sleep, so. The next recommendation is that infants sleep in the parents' room, close to the parents' bed, but on a separate surface. Again, like we mentioned before, one that's designed for infants. So a crib, a bassinet, or a play yard. Um, And at least for the first six months of life. There's research that shows um, it can decrease the risk of SIDS by as much as 50
1: percent. We want that.
0: <laughs> we want that. Yeah. So room share. Yes. Do not bed share. Correct. Room share.
1: There is a difference. Yes. Yes. Because you want to have the baby to have their own safe sleep space. But when they're in the same room as you and right by you, you have the ability to hear them better. And if you hear something that's not right, then you can go check on them way easier. Um, You can get there faster too, if you need to at all. And it's easier for feeding, so that always helps too. Um, But I think a lot of parents' anxiety levels also are better when the baby is in the same room as them too. Um, Of course, having a newborn home with you and worrying about them breathing anyway, has its own anxiety level, but I think it would be worse if for the parents, like the anxiety level, (laughs) if the baby was in a separate room and you couldn't hear as well, or even if you had a monitor, I mean, it doesn't always pick up everything on the monitor too. So having them either within reach or across the room, but near you, depending on how big your room is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, it just... It decreases it by so much that it's kind of like, why not?
0: (laughs) Yes. Now the caveat being, and this is like, I think it decreases it so much because of the maternal instinct. Like you are on such high alert Mm -hmm. that you're going to hear every little thing now the downfall to that is then you're not sleeping well. And we know, you know, there are plenty of downfalls to not sleeping. Um, So I want parents out there to know that if you choose not to room share, that doesn't mean that your baby is now at risk. It just means that they've returned to baseline. So Um, it's a protective factor, but now there's not that protective factor anymore. So you're not putting your baby at risk by not room sharing.
1: Yes. And I know a lot of parents do for the first month or two. Mm -hmm. And then for us, especially for my youngest, I was like, she needs to get out. I think it was around four months. I really don't remember because... It was postpartum.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With my first, it was a few weeks. And with my second, it was a few months. We by no means made it to that six month mark. So
1: my oldest, we made it farther. And my youngest, I think she was like maybe two months actually, but
0: (laughs) I think it varies from baby to baby too, because my oldest son, he was such a loud sleeper. Um, he would grunt, he would like wiggle. It was just, I couldn't sleep. And with my youngest, like, like I said, he had those other issues going on. So I I was on high alert and not sleeping anyway. So I was like, it just makes sense to keep him in here. So I can <laughs> keep an eye on him, keep him alive.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so just know that that's what the recommendation is. And that's what we would recommend to any of our clients. Um, but also knowing that if it's not working for you, it's okay. There are all of these other recommendations to put in place to help you feel better about any decision that your family makes, that's in the best interest of your family. Yes. Um, so, kind of going away from the room sharing. What if we have a baby with an adult? So in arms, and the adult is like in a sitting on a couch or reclined in an armchair.
1: Yes, So that has more potential for the baby to get stuck between the adult and the cushions, which also makes it very difficult for them to breathe. And also um, when they're holding them, if the adult falls asleep, they're more likely to unfortunately drop the baby. And since they're usually sitting up um, on a couch or even if they're laying down, you have one arm that goes out and then the baby has potential to roll off. So we don't want that as well. Um, But usually the most important thing is you don't want the baby to get caught between the adult and the cushion so that then they can't breathe.
0: Right. And I think um, a lot of moms will breastfeed throughout the night and it's an exhausting job in and of itself to feed your baby. (laughs) Um, and then to feed them at night when you are extra tired and you have your circadian rhythm moving against you. Um, just make your bed as safe as possible if you're feeding in your bed that way. And I mean, no pillows, no blankets, like empty mattress if you're feeding in your bed that way, if you do fall asleep while you're nursing your baby, it's somewhat of a safer situation. Um, It's still not safe, it's not recommended, um, but there are ways to make it safer should it happen. Yes. Okay, let's chat a little bit more about pacifier use. What have you got about that?
1: Yes, so a lot of times parents or pediatricians or both, don't want to introduce a pacifier right away, or they want to have the breastfeeding relationship start first and make sure it's established and going well, just in case, because it's gonna be a different sucking on a pacifier and for when the baby is breastfeeding. So a lot of times start with that breastfeeding relationship first, if that's what you're going to do, make sure it's well-established, and then you can introduce it. That also is because the milk in the mother is not quite in yet or hasn't transitioned yet to the actual milk. It starts as the colostrum first, and that's also why you want to nurse as often as possible so that you can go ahead and establish that relationship. Um, and then once that is ha- established, then you can introduce the pacifier. Again, that might be different from e- for everyone. And um, even if you're not breastfeeding, then you want to have a good latch with the bottle as well. But once you do introduce the pacifier, just having that sucking motion, it um, they call it the non non nutritive, right? Yes. <laughs> can you make sure you? Edit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Non-nutritive, that's it, but summarizing, brain farting. Yeah. Okay. Um, The pacifier sucking is non-nutritive sucking, which means you're not getting, the baby's not getting the nutrients from a pacifier, obviously. Nutritive sucking is when they are breastfeeding or bottle feeding, because then they are getting the nutrients from the breast milk or formula. Um, But the sucking motion that they're doing on a pacifier helps protect them against SIDS as well. And they, I always think it's interesting because they always add that like, I don't know why, but we found this. (laughs) And I'm like, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) The cool thing about that is they don't know like why this, it has this protective effect, but even after the pacifier falls out of the infant's mouth, it still offers that protective factor until they like wake up from that sleep. So I think that's really cool. It is so
1: cool. And I don't know how they figure that
0: research (laughs) right (laughs) so we also want to be leery of using like pacifier clips um that can be a cause for strangulation so just a pacifier nothing clipped to your baby's outfit nothing clipped to their uh collar of their sleep sack or anything um just a plain pacifier and same with like the ones that are attached to the stuffed animals um they're cute and they're great for like during the day when you're watching them but um when you're not in the same area or it's dark and you can't see them we don't want your baby again to get in an uncompromised position with that you know covering their face so
1: yes they also have glow in the dark pacifiers pro tip that helps a lot in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you said that because those were our lifesavers. And I, okay. I get those in a, a sound machine to all new moms who, when I go to their baby showers, I'm like, you need a sound machine and you need a glow in the dark pacifier.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Okay. Um, so obviously when you are pregnant and or postpartum, We do not want smoking or alcohol consumption, illicit drug use to be used. That increases the risk of SIDS. I think that's pretty common sense. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about like the temperature and overheating dressing babies appropriately. I know we touched on that vaguely before. Um, What are your thoughts? So like you said earlier, um, the recommended temperature for the
1: baby's room is 68 to 72 degrees Fahrenheit. And I would just check if you think it feels like a comfortable temperature. Of course, you can always actually measure it. I know some monitors, like baby monitors, say the temperature, but they are not correct. (laughs) They are not accurate, we'll say. So always check, make sure it's comfortable. Um, dress your baby for the season, but also for the temperature of the room, because if you have a two-level house or more, (laughs) the upstairs is going to be warmer than downstairs. So maybe you have thermostat thermostat set to a comfortable temperature downstairs between that range. But of course, heat rises and by that time the heat is going to make that room warmer. So you might have to just do, take extra precaution, just making sure that your baby is comfortable, not going to overheat. I know a lot of parents do think that they have to keep adding layers to their baby. My mom as a pediatrician would always say this, they're like, oh my gosh, my baby is so hot. She has a fever. And my mom's first question would be, what is she wearing? Or he obviously, what are they wearing? And the parents would start to list these like all these onesies and um, sleepers and all that. And like, okay, well, let's take a couple layers off first (laughs) and see how the temperature is. And like, oh, they're better. And I just always remember that conversation that she told me about those stories. Um, Because we do, we tend to think, oh, it's cold. Our baby's gonna be too cold. We need this layer and this layer and this layer. But a good rule of thumb is to be one more layer than what you would normally have. So if you wear shirt and shorts to bed, but you're under a blanket, then that blanket also counts as a layer, not meaning add a blanket to your baby, but it just means that counts as a layer. So add one more for your baby, like maybe um, no sleeve one, or like the onesie bodysuit with short sleeves, and then a sleeper that has longer sleeves and pants, um, or just the legs, Attached and then this swaddle, and so just making sure that it's one extra layer than what you would normally use. Yeah, and oh, go ahead.
0: Your baby's hands and feet, like because their extremities are naturally cooler because they have bad circulation, they're babies. So they will (laughs) almost always feel cold to the touch. So never go by how their little fingers are because 90% of the time they'll be cold. Um, What you should do instead is like feel your baby's neck area, their chest, their head. And if that feels cool to the touch or hot, like then, you know, I either need to remove a layer or add a layer.
1: Yes. And no hats, nothing covering the head. Um, I know a lot of times people want the head covered just because a lot of heat comes out, but actually the feet are another way to make sure you keep that body heat that you need inside. So covering with um, either like baby socks or whatever layers are in them, covering the feet that way is also going to help Keep that heat in rather than covering the head because if you're covering the head again, that can lead to a baby not being able to breathe eventually,
0: right? Okay, and we had mentioned this before a little bit about like the marketing tactics some companies have used, and the CSPC is cracking down on a lot of that now. Um, just recently they uh they pulled something or they pulled some term but they're still allowing it to be used for like another year. It's like, like,
1: yes, I saw that. Like, just do it now. Yeah. Like,
0: and how many babies are going to be harmed in that year's time. right? Right. Okay. So anyway, we want to be leery of commercial devices that, you know, use the terms like sleeper or lounger, because, you know, as a new parent, that makes me think oh, this is for my baby to sleep in. And when you see them advertised, where are those devices normally like in the parent's bed and, and the baby's
1: sleeping in it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and it might say on the box, like in real tiny print, this device is not to be used for sleep, wow. but the marketing is very misleading. So just make sure that anything you are using, um, AKA a crib, a bassinet or a play yard is the only place that your baby is sleeping. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, another recommendation supervised awake tummy time. Why Mm -hmm. is that a recommendation?
1: Yes, this is one of my favorites because it plays into the development milestones. (laughs) Um, So as your doctor is going to tell you, or already has, when you have your baby do tummy time that it has to be supervised as well, it's going to build all their neck, head, shoulder, chest, back muscles, the more that they do it. Um, You definitely don't want your baby to be screaming, crying, and hating it the entire time, but try it for like a couple minutes being there. Have your face in front of your baby um, to talk to them and to help them look up towards you or any kind of light or any kind of shaking toy as well, but having them do that supervised tummy time is going to help build all those muscles So as they begin to get older, it's going to help them with sleep because once they learn to roll over, you want to make sure that they can hold their head up and have all those muscles needed to be able to do that. So it's so important for them. Um, It actually has a lot more benefits as well besides just using it for sleep too. Um, But I love tummy time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We should do another episode on that. Like yeah. solely, I'm going to bring you on for that one. I know that's, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Hannah, <laughs> thank you so much for going through all of this with me today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Can you share where we can find you online? Yes,
1: definitely. And thank you so much, Erin. Thank you for inviting me. It has been awesome. It was very nice talking easily with with you through all of this. Um, so you can find me. I am at Happy Little Ones LLC on Facebook and Instagram. And then my website is www.happylittleonesllc.com.
0: So that's how you can find me. Awesome. Thank you. And you know, if you need other sleep resources, you can always check out Lake Country Sleep on Instagram, Facebook, go to our website, lakecountrysleep.com. And if you found this episode helpful, if you really loved Anna, make sure you leave us a five-star rating, leave us a review, um, subscribe and follow the show. And we will see you next time.